The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Two games to look back on today, a review of the Liverpool and Norwich games, one defeat and one victory. We're also going to look ahead to Burnley and I'm joined as ever by Global Greg Evans and Holly as well. How are we both? Good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Always happy when Villa have won, Holly. Global, you okay? I'm about as feeling as good as you can be after a, I don't know, what is it, seven hour round trip to Norwich and back and four hours to write a report and very little time sleep. Let's talk about, because you've, you've done an article last night, try after the game, so what time? This what time morning. You, this, this last, morning time. last night, if only, yeah. <laughs> What time did you finish that article then? Ooh, let's, have, uh, let's have a peek behind the curtain of what it's like <laughs> to be global, Greg Evans. Well, I got home at 2.30am. Yeah. I'd actually written a little bit of it in the stadium, um, and then I had to finish it off when I got home. Uh, so yeah, I probably got to bed about 3.30, but it's always just so hard to get to sleep. Yeah. Because you're kind of like, you, you, you're wired in your work and travel and, and you, you know, you're thinking about things and it's hard to quite, it's, it's actually hard to write at that time in the morning, I find. Um, and then come on and have to face you, Dan, so. I mean, this is turning into the sleep podcast, but I reckon you've had more sleep than me. This is not. This is not true. No, it will be because I was the same. I did the Villa view after straight after the game. I'm the same. I can't switch off, so I didn't go to bed till one. And then because I knew I was on Sky this morning, and I had to get up at six. I couldn't sleep. So I reckon you've probably had more sleep than me, Greg. Holly, how much sleep have you had? Uh, also not much because I was on the late shift, so I'm the same as both of you. And I, <laughs> I struggled to unwind after a shift, um, and then was up early this morning sorting some stuff. So. It's a very sleep-deprived podcast, I feel like. This will be good energy levels. I mean, yeah, it could be a pretty dull podcast then with probably about eight hours sleep between the three of us, but we will go and give it a go. I don't really want to talk about Liverpool too much, Greg, because we lost, but Norwich last night. Let's talk about your piece first, actually. Let's talk about your Jacob Ramsey piece that you were up until the early hours writing. Why Jacob Ramsey? Why did you choose to do that? Obviously, because he scored. Did you have it in mind as something you might do anyway? Have you been holding it back, waiting for a moment like this? There are quite a few stories that I, that I always hold back and, and go to games thinking, um, you know, could this be the day that I write about this particular story? Um, Jacob Ramsey actually wasn't a player on on that list before the game, um, even though he'd started four of uh, sorry four of the five previous games um, under Gerrard. But the way he performed last night, and obviously that goal and that standout moment, I just thought it was the perfect time to write about him because I think I've said on this podcast a few times that I felt he he looked a little bit frustrated at times, um, you know, with the, with the goal that was disallowed against Leicester, um, the brilliant goal against Arsenal that in essence didn't really mean anything, um, still hasn't scored at Villa Park, I don't think, um, and he, he he was just waiting for that real big moment. the 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 support that he's got. Inside Aston Villa is huge. Dean Smith and and, and his former coaching um, team really rated him. Stephen Gerrard, Michael Beale, Gary McAllister have really taken to him as well. Um, and privately, they believe that he's one of the most exciting players at the club. Um, and, and the conversations that they have regularly um, go along with that. So it's been it's been a good start for, for Ramsey under Gerrard, but he he just needed that. And there was there was absolutely 
no way anyone was taking anything away from him from that because it was all his own work, all his all his own endeavour, um, and a brilliant finish. And it just showed in his reaction after you know he ran up to the to the away and kissing the badge, and he's just in his face was pumped full of emotion. I was really happy for him, so I thought it was the perfect time to write about him. Yeah, it looks finally, Holly, like the first Villa player who's going to properly break through the academy since Jack Grealish is going to be Jacob Ramsey. If your name begins with J, you've got a good chance. Yeah, pretty much. I've, I'm really happy for Jacob Ramsey, like Greg said. Uh, he's definitely been working hard uh, in the training ground, and that's clearly paid off in the game against Norwich. And granted, Norwich aren't the best team in the Premier League right now, but, you know, Ramsey worked relentlessly for 90 minutes and you know that goal I could I wasn't I kind of had the audio on while I was um working and then the the commentary sounded great so then watching the goal back on the replay it's just not a goal that I would expect Jacob Ramsey to have so much confidence with as he kind of approached that approached the goal and into the penalty box so I'm excited for Jacob Ramsey he definitely deserves it and if it, if it's in the same line as Jack Grealish and the and the success he's had then Jacob Ramsey's got a very exciting career ahead of him. Well, let's hear that audio commentary that you alluded to then, Holly. Let's listen to the commentary of Jacob Ramsey's sensational solo goal. And the ball comes up towards halfway, and uh, Villa could be away here with Ramsey, who's pacing, and he's up towards the edge of the penalty area. Ramsey, Norwich haven't got the challenge in yet. He's in the box, he shoots into the net! Aston Villa lead at Carroll Road, and it's the youngster, Jacob Ramsey, who sprinted half the length of the pitch, finished with a flourish, and with 11 minutes to go to half-time, it's Norwich City nil, Aston Villa 1. Hearing radio commentary back is always very, very satisfying when you, when you hear the crowd roar. There's something I really, really enjoy about it. I guess the two games, Greg, that we're going to review, Liverpool and Norwich, very different for, for obvious reasons. But for Jacob Ramsey, they're very different. I'm not sure playing as a number 10 particularly suits him. So he's played as a number 10 at Anfield and he's back to his number 8 role against Norwich. Being a little bit deeper, I think that suits his game a bit more, doesn't it? Being a number eight, I don't think he is really a number 10. I always think he's better deeper. Yeah, just going back to that clip, it's, it's a lovely clip, isn't it? I, I feel like the uh, I feel like the commentator doesn't quite do the goal as, as much justice as, as, as I felt it deserved when I was at the game. It really was such a brilliant individual goal. Uh, I mean, there was literally nothing else on. There was just a sea of yellow shirts, swaths of, of, of grass, and all he had to do mm. was go in basically do it himself and um, the, the the benefit of, of, of being in the press box at Carrow Road is that the away fans are directly opposite you and when he scored I looked into that away end and there were serious eruptions it was uh, you know it, it was some scenes what looking on um, but but to answer your question about Jacob Ramsey's position I think you're right I think at Liverpool though um, Gerard went there pretty much with, to, to try and do a containing job on them and it was all. It was more about packing those midfield areas with players um, with a bit of energy, uh, players that could close down the defenders, try and keep the ball when when they got it. Um, I, I, and I don't think there was too much expected of them going forward, really. But I looked at the amount of touches in the first half from Watkins, Young, and Ramsey um, at Liverpool. And I think they'd had something like 30 or 35 touches between them, between the three of them, which is incredibly low. Um, obviously, it improved slightly in the second half. Um, and certainly when Wendy and Ings came on, gave Villa a bit more life. But the position that Ramsey played in against Norwich, I thought was perfect. You couldn't really tell who was the deepest line midfielder out of 
um, Ramsey, Louise and McGinn because they were pretty much in a line all game. Mm. It was Louise sitting in the middle. Um, Ramsey would break off to the to the left to close down play uh, and get forward if needed and McGinn would move over to the right and do the same. But they stayed very compact and, and, and very together so there was no real um, defensive midfielder out the three. And I think that really suited Ramsey because when he got the ball, there was always players around him. Target was often overlapping. Um, Louise would come come close to him. Young would drop a little bit deeper. And Villa just worked the ball so well in, the, in those central areas and, and ended up playing some really, really nice stuff, actually. I mean, look, we'll, we'll get on to how bad Norwich were and how depleted they were and the fact that Villa won't get an easier game this season. But still, I was very pleased with the way they performed um, and Ramsey was a big part of that. Well, let's hear what the man himself had to say about that magical goal. I seen Ollie lay it after me into space and I looked around and no one was there. Um, so I thought, go on in, why not have a shot? And luckily he went in, it was a good goal. The gaffer is probably one of the best at that um, goal-scoring midfielder, and that's what I want to be. So yeah, um, obviously Gabby's a, a bit of um, through and through. He's a legend. Um, growing up watching his goals and stuff. Um, so whenever I get a message off him, it's always nice and gives me confidence to keep playing. We've got um, a great academy. I think our, our bench was full of academy players today: Tim, Jade, and Cam. Carney coming on. Um, and you see at the end with the assist uh, the top player but yeah we've got a, a feel good factor at the moment and we're trying to keep it Gabby Abondahor Holly worse than me not content with just being on Sky and TalkSport every day on PT now as well He's everywhere. I um I actually saw him at the Euros final and we chatted briefly about Villa and, and kind of the hopes ahead and stuff. So he is very clued on and, and very switched on and he does speak well about Villa. So it was it was weirdly nice to see him making a little TV cameo last night while while watching the game. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I talked to Gabby a fair bit. Nice bloke, doing well for himself in the media sphere. Greg, you're taking the credit for the goal as well, Gabby. Text message advice from Gabby Abondor, have you ever had enough? <laughs> no, no, Gabby's. Uh, he's told me face to face a few times not to uh, not to write various things in in my previous job uh, when he was a player. Not, I was going to say not since you've been at the athletic. No, well, I don't think he's played since he was since I've been at the athletic. I think he retired by then. Yeah, done a few interviews with Gabby. I, I always like hearing um, some of the stories from the past. But he he's got he's certainly got an opinion uh, which which I like. I like to hear pundits who, who are not afraid to, to speak out, but I think he, he always tries to protect um, the Villa boys and, he, and his players as well. Uh, and look, and clearly some of the younger lads look up to him because of you know what he did, the amount of goals he scored for Villa. Yeah, the articles on The Athletic definitely be too big for Gabba, too long, some of them articles. There's no way he's a subscriber there. It was nice to see Villa control the game, wasn't it, Holly? Because you, probably possession stats haven't been brilliant in, in Gerrard's like games, and he said he wants to be a team that plays on the front foot and control possession. And you could see the intent from minute one against Norwich that we were going to be that dominant team, and we were the ones that wanted to control the game. Yeah, definitely. I think it was in terms of possession and holding the ball. It was Villa's best game in the Steven Gerrard era. Um, I will be honest. There was times in the second half where it felt like Villa had obviously built confidence through having possession, and some of the passes, while they were exciting to watch, they were a little bit too risky. Douglas Louise tried to play like a back heel and it, he gave the ball away to, to Norwich or almost gave the ball away to Norwich. And I, and that's, I think, the only thing that Gerard now needs to work on in terms of if Villa have possession, they don't become too relaxed or too confident because they've got the ball. Um, and I think against the bigger teams, they'll definitely get punished if they're not able to utilise having that possession. So while it was a great kind of 
building block against Norwich to build confidence and realise how important having possession is. Hopefully now the next step is, well, how do we utilise that against the bigger teams? So it'll be exciting to see kind of how Gerard builds on that in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's good to see Carney come on again as well, wasn't it, Greg, and be productive. Chuck Wemeka became the Chuck Wemeka, making a goal for Ollie Watkins. Great to see him. A good night, a good night for the academy, really, when you think of how many players were in the match day squad, Ramsey scoring, Chuck Wemeka getting an assist. Again, just shows, you know, the future is bright for Villa. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, we can't expect too much off the youngsters um, because there, there are a lot of Villa supporters who think just because Villa won the FA Youth Cup last year that the, 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 the majority of those players will go on and um, play for the first team. Simply isn't the case because other than Kane Kessler, uh, I don't think there's any player from, from that group who's playing regularly uh, at the moment. Admittedly, they are still all very young Um uh, but, you know, some of them are out in League One, League Two, the National League, and they're just not playing very often. So it just shows the level that you have to get to to be a professional footballer in the Premier League. Um, Carney Chukwameka is certainly one who is holding his own. Um, I think Gerard showed a lot of faith in him. He, you know, he obviously understands the contract situation there, the fact that, that Carney won't be signing um, an extension until he knows what the future is going to hold, whether he will be playing regular minutes at, at Villa. And what we've seen last night was what I have seen him do on so many occasions for the under-23s, under-18s. Um, he's breaking through the middle, down those left-hand side areas, um, cutting into devastating effect and, and either scoring or setting up goals. And to do it in the Premier League on the biggest stage is a big step up for him. And he's just turned 18. I mean, he's literally just turned 18 years old. It's frightening. It's scary how good he is and how m- much more he's got in, you know, to, to, to progress. Villa could have a genuine style on their hands here. And if he's, if he's doing it in the Premier League at 18 years old, just think what he can do when he's 20, 21. Mm. Ben Christine's just been promoted to the first team squad, hasn't he, as, as well, from that from the FA Youth Cup winning team? Well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, he, he trains with the first team quite regularly anyway. Quite a few of them do. I think that was a story that was um, put out by, by, the, by the local newspaper after watching uh, the, some of the training clips. On, on the Villa website so um, lots of players get the opportunity to, to go up and train whether the cameras are always are always on them or not um, is another matter but yeah uh, Hayden Lindley has, has trained with, with the first team Lamar Bogard um, there's lots of lots of players as you mentioned on the bench last night so the youngsters are certainly getting a chance you know they're, they're getting the opportunity to show what they're made of Um and, and Stephen Gerrard said something really interesting last night, which which I haven't heard many managers say. He said, talent isn't enough to get these youngsters in. They've got to show an absolute obsession to uh, oust in a first-team player to get into that position. And anyone who does show that that passion will be in my thoughts. So that's a, that's a message for plenty of the kids out there. That's exactly what Gerrard said he did at Liverpool, isn't he? He wasn't satisfied with training with these players. He wanted to be better than them and he wanted to oust them from the first team. And that's exactly what he did coming through at Anfield. Let's talk returns then. Holly, we'll start with Stephen Gerrard's return at the weekend to Anfield. A lot made of it in the media, but for Gerrard, he actually played it down. I knew he'd play it down, but he played down even more than I thought he would. Yeah, I don't want to say it came across like he didn't care that he was returning because I don't think that's the case. But you could just tell that his professionalism was at the forefront of his mind and his his mindset was, I am the Villa manager and my kind of entire day is is revolved around Villa and, and not the return to Anfield. So I kind of hope that he was able to enjoy it post-game and, and speak to the people that he's known at the club f- for years. But 
I, I admire Gerard and how he wasn't distracted by all the the hype in the media and the hype around the game itself and stuff. So uh, it was nice to see him return, like I said, but I'm glad that he fo- was focused on Villa and and ultimately, even though it wasn't a win, I still think like City, it was a really positive performance for Villa. Yeah, Emi Buendia returned to Carrow Road last night, Greg. Some different, differing opinions on Emi Buendia from, from last night. I actually thought he probably tried a little bit too hard. You could see he really, really wanted to impress. And I don't think he was too pleased with getting booed by large sections of the Norwich fan base. I felt like that was driving him a little bit to maybe try a little bit too much. But it is coming for him, isn't it? It's coming. I thought I thought he was great for the first 10, 15 minutes. Really aggressive and, uh, and getting forward, getting into attacking areas. It kind of it kind of faded away for him. Um, Gerard said after the game that he's been getting a few little niggles on the same area of his foot. Whether that's playing a big part in in, in his performances, I don't know. Um, interesting though, isn't it? Because if he, if he can't really stand out at Carrow Road, a place where he knows so well, against Norwich in a game where he's so pumped up, and against opposition who are probably the worst in in the division, you know who who, who is he going to do it against? But I do think you're right. I do think it's coming for him. Um, just think we need to be a little bit more patient with him. Yeah, and Dean Smith as well, Greg. What was his reception like from the Villa fans? It, it sounded pretty good towards the end. I don't know whether it would have been if we were losing. Yeah. Because we were, t- because we were winning. Gave him a nice reception. I mean, the Villa fans <laughs> love him anyway, don't they? I think, yeah, I mean, look, there was no real interaction. Um, the away end is the, the opposite side to, to the dugout. Um, so, that you know, Dean was never like really close to the away end at any point. Um, so... Pre-game and during the game, there was nothing really. Um, and, I, and I tweeted something out quite late into the game and I thought the fact that Villa had gone 2-0 up, as soon as they went 2-0 up, it, they started singing about Dean Smith and it, and it was just perfect for them. It was just absolutely perfect because it, it showed them, you know, that they were a bit classer, that they that they were able to, uh, you know, give, give Dean the, the reception that he deserved. But they were doing it on the back of a win, you know. As you say, if they were two 0 down, there's no way they were singing Dean Smithy's Claret and Blue. Absolutely no chance, I'm sure of it. Um, but in the end, look, it worked perfect. And and I think Dean was quite happy, you know, with that. Obviously disappointed with the result, um, but he had a smile on his face towards the end when he was linking up with some of his old staff members and players. So, look, a, a man that he still very much liked at the club. Yeah, win win for Dean Smith last night, Holly. Team he manages lost, but at least the team he supported as a boy won. Yeah, I think um, he was asked about it in the pre-match interview, um, whether he would be, you know, kind of how he would feel if Villa beat them and stuff. But he was kind of similar to Gerard at Anfield, very focused on the Norwich um, side of things. And hopefully he still kind of enjoyed watching his team progress. And I'd like to think that that he feels he was a part of this team progressing, even though obviously Gerard has stepped up the level of intensity at Villa. Um, so hopefully on the side, Dean Smith is enjoying watching Villa win and move into the top half of the table because I think secretly every Villa fan loves to see that. So, yeah. I think his son certainly is Holly's uh, son was in the away end at, at Liverpool and, and, and Dean said in, in some of his press briefings that he, he's still choosing to go and watch Villa rather than come in to support his dad. So <laughs> he's certainly got the fan element behind him. What, what must he be thinking? Dan Smith watching because Villa's midfield for example it's so far different to, to what it was when Dan Smith was in charge they're playing so well that midfield what must he have been thinking stood on the touchline deep down he knew that the results Villa were getting in under his control were not reflective perhaps of of, of, of the level that the team was at um, or the quality of the squad um, and I, I think he felt if they just got some of the players back and um 
a little bit of continuity that that results would have come. I don't for one minute think that that if he'd have stayed, he'd have had the impact that that Gerard has had in terms of the results that you know they won four out of the six games that they should have and only lost to Man City and Liverpool by a goal each. Um, there's, there's clear clear progression with with, with Gerard there, um, but I do think any manager coming in would have really fancied the chances with this Villa squad because it's a very good squad and admittedly yeah there are a few injuries still but it's still a very strong squad yeah there was a question at the end of your Art Jacob Ramsey article from Stephen O saying I have to ask are you and Dan ready to admit that you were completely wrong to say Smith should have been given more time I'll throw that to you Greg first you can answer first uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a great question Th- thanks for asking it and, and giving us the opportunity to, to talk about it my thoughts are yes I, I was a little I was slightly wrong because of the you can't deny the impact that Gerrard's had and and as I just said I don't think if Smith had been given extra time he would have got the amount of points that Gerrard has got from these first six games which by the way um, have, have, have only been bettered by one Premier League manager um, at Villa and, and that's John Gregory you know he's on the same amount of points as Martin O'Neill after six games so a very very impressive start with Smith um, my thoughts always were that because there was so much um, going against him and because he'd done so much for the club previously i.e. achieving his briefing every single season I felt he deserved just a little bit more time to be, you know, to, to show what he was made of um, 11 games I feel is always difficult for a manager in the first um, in the season especially when there was so much change this summer but look yeah I, you know I, I'm totally happy to say that uh, you know, I didn't expect Gerard to to um, get the amount of points that he did and that Smith wouldn't have. So yes, Stephen, no problem at all. Yeah, I'm a similar vein from me. I think the way I, I always look at it is I, I was the same as you. I thought Dean Smith probably had enough credit in the bank to be given a little bit more time to turn it around. And I'll always support the, the manager that's in charge. And that's what I was doing. I was supporting Dean Smith. He was the man in charge. I've been blown away by Stephen Gerrard and now he's in charge. He has the exact same backing from me that Dean Smith had, but you can't deny the impact that Steven Gerrard's had. It's been absolutely incredible. Better than any Villa fan could have, could have wished for, even the most optimistic of Villa fan probably wouldn't have dreamt of a start like this. So yeah, I loved Dean Smith and now I'm, I'm loving Steven Gerrard. So anyone that's in charge or anyone that's representing Aston Villa will always have my backing. But thank you very much, Steven, for the question. We'll be back after this short break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Holly, the bench was very, very interesting last night for Villa. Academy graduates all over the place. 
Injuries are starting to become a little bit of a problem, but Villa have now also got COVID rife in the squad. Hopefully it's been contained. Hopefully we don't pick any, up any more COVID cases. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem throughout the league, isn't it? It's a problem that Villa had last night. Yeah, so I've been across obviously on the news team over the weekend and the start of this week and kind of COVID has just been all we've covered really. Um, unfortunately, Villa and, and Brighton and Spurs, Norwich and United have, have had their own little outbreaks and... Uh, it's weird because obviously the outbreaks, it doesn't clarify, you know, what type of COVID or what type of variant they have. So hopefully no one is feeling too sick and and, and having to isolate, struggle through their isolation period. But it's it, when I saw that Villa had the, the COVID tests and Nakamba is out injured, I thought oh, it's such a bad time for Villa on a personal level because they really are just continuously building momentum despite the defeat to, to Liverpool last weekend. So hopefully... With the extensive youth list that Villa have, the the COVID issues won't become so much of an issue uh, for Villa. And and like we said, Villa is such an exciting team to come and manage because they have so much youth uh, at the manager's disposable when they come in. So uh, like you said, the bench, I think, was exciting to kind of see those names get on there. And and hopefully there'll be names that Gerard is able to rely on in, in future games as well. So again, hopefully the COVID outbreak isn't too bad at Villa or any of the other clubs. And hopefully it's something that can kind of get ironed out or a good system can get found quite quickly because obviously no one really wants to see post games postponed and then cause a kind of build up towards the end of the season especially when there's the women's euros in the summer that you you know you wouldn't want to get that affected and, and then the world cup in, in december so hopefully it's the knock-on effects aren't too serious compared to the previous covid uh lockdown rules yeah is there is there a real update on the covid situation greg from villa no, not really. It's a very fluid thing, you know. It's, it's a live situation. The club are aware that that it, it's a, you know it's growing, isn't it? Every, everybody's everybody's getting suffer suffering with it at the moment. Um, you know, I know more people than I probably have done since the pandemic who who, who have got COVID at this moment in time. So, um, you know, it's it's something that the whole country have to deal with. The club are adhering to all the protocols. There's a there's an even stricter testing procedure in place at the moment. Um, the players are obviously, you know, they know they've they've, they've got to be extra careful during these times um, because the games are coming thick and fast so often, um, and they want to be available. So you know they're, they're taking they're, they're adhering to all the measures. Um, there's a very high double vaccination uh, rate at the club, and uh, the majority will be will be taking the booster jab soon when they're available to. I take it, I mean, you might not know, that's where Steer, Sanson and Algarzi were last night. They've, they've all got COVID, I presume. And, and Keenan Davis was missing as well. Um, we, we can't disclose who who who, who are missing um, um, through COVID. It's something that the club have kept private, you know, ever since the pandemic started. So, um, you know, I won't be disclosing who's missing through COVID and what. Okay, fine. But someone we do know is missing is marvellous Nakamba Greg. Sounds like a Bad injury, real shame for him because he's just just starting to make a name for himself in that Villa midfield, playing really, really well, and then he picks up an injury that's potentially going to rule him out for the rest of the season. Yeah, we had the exclusive on the on the Athletic yesterday explaining that um, that he's likely to to miss the, the you know the remainder of the season. Now, um, Stephen Gerrard said last night that that today will be a big day for him. They'll decide whether he needs surgery um, on his knee. Um, look, it's a case of protecting marvellous Nakamba now, isn't it? Um, what we've seen with previous players across the country is that when they sustain a knee injury, sometimes clubs have tended to um, give them a couple of months rest and then try to use them 
accordingly, you know, sparingly um, from, from time to time. That's not necessarily the best way for a player. I think James Chester tried to do it, didn't he? At Villa, didn't have surgery and, and, and suffered problems thereafter. It'll be purely down to Nakamba and it'll be his decision whether he need, whether he wants to have surgery. But at this moment in time, it sounds like that's going to be the most likely thing. Yeah, the mood around the midfield's completely switched, hasn't it, Holly? We've been on this podcast many times and lamented the midfield, feeling we didn't have enough quality, didn't have enough options. But now they, they all look like different players. Even Sanson in his brief cameos has looked a different player to the one I saw last season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Villa players forgot Morgan Sanson has existed on the Villa squad, if I'm honest, because you just didn't really feel like he was going to find a way back in. And I kind of felt for him that he wasn't in the squad last night. But, uh, you know, I trust, compared to... Before Gerard, I didn't even fully trust John McGinn and Douglas Louise to kind of shield that back line. But now, anytime McGinn closes the ball down or Douglas Louise has the ball, Ramsey, Sanson, any of those midfield players, I just feel they all have so much confidence oozing out of them that they're not going to make an error or errors are very um, minimal. So I think Gerard just has a long list of players at his disposal to kind of alter that midfield line how he wants to, whether he wants it to be slightly more defensive or slightly more attacking. And as we mentioned, that kind of midfield line now rotates so naturally between those three that that sit there. So it's, it's really done a flip. And I think Nakamba's really headed that as well. Um, I think Greg wrote that in the headline yesterday that, you know, Nakamba's been at the forefront of, of the new Gerard era and, and, becoming the most improved under him. So hopefully that continues to blossom. And um, Stephen Gerrard actually smiled in his press conference when he spoke about John McGinn and constantly getting asked questions about how good he is. And it was nice to see him kind of acknowledge the the calibre of players he has at his disposal in that, in that midfield. So I think I'm actually more excited to watch the midfield three or two, however he decides to line that up, more than any other position on the pitch at the moment because they just seemed like a well-oiled machine. While we've been talking about COVID and injuries, is it affecting the WSL the same way as it's affecting the Premier League, Ola? Well, obviously the kind of COVID outbreaks at the moment seem to be within the men's squads and it's very much dependent on whether the WSL teams train at the same location as the men's. Fortunately, if they do, I think a lot of the WSL clubs have their own bubble and the same applies to a lot of the academies that train at the same facilities as well. So hopefully the WSL isn't impacted too much Um in slightly more positive news, the WSL has got a completely new deal. So hopefully that just shows that the, the WSL is continuing to rise. And, yeah. and with Villa being in that top league as well, it's so important for them to get that financial backing through new deals. And, and Carla Ward's doing a great job with them. So hopefully their season isn't impacted too much by COVID-19 because they've got quite a few exciting games coming up as well in the new year. A bad result for the weekend, wasn't it? From being ahead, Villa against Spurs for, for the women's team. Yeah, I feel like Spurs are, are just like a completely unrecognisable and unreadable team. I mean, that that handball against City to help them win the game in, earlier in the season and then to kind of fight back and, and beat Villa on the weekend. They're, they're a tough team and, and, you know, Carla Ward will have been very disappointed that her team weren't able to hold on to a lead and, and that'll be something that they really need to address. They did just look tired at the end, um, which is a real shame because, you know, they've had kind of a little bit of breaks in between with international breaks. So hopefully that's something they can iron out over Christmas and, and continue to push on because it's still so close within the WSL. So they have every chance of finishing in the top half. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Look ahead now to Burnley, Greg. Gerard kind of made a rod for his own back in some ways now because you just expect Villa to beat the teams that aren't the top four really now, don't you? Just by the way his, his start has been, you Villa play Burnley at home and you think, that should be three points, really. Yeah, and he said something really interesting after the uh, Liverpool game. He said, we, we've now got two games against Norwich and Burnley um, and we fully expect to go and get the six points. And I just thought, wow. You know that that's so confident. Backs himself, but at the same time, you know maybe there's a tiny, tiny little bit of naivety in there. I, I don't know because for me, he's he's been unflustered ever since day one. Um, I've been thoroughly impressed with the way the way he's dealt with the media, the way he's prepared the players, the way he's gone out and get results. Um, everything he seems to say in a press conference just 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 resonates with Villa fans. They love it. You know, they they, they really, really enjoy listening to him. Um, but yeah, you know, Villa are going to games now expecting to win. These games against Burnley, you know, Chelsea is going to be difficult, obviously on Boxing Day. But then a trip to Leeds, another one they expect to win. They'll go to Brentford on the 2nd of January, another one they're going to be expected to win. I mean, it's incredible if they do, then, you know, we're back on a potential European tour talk, aren't we, for, for next year? Because... Gabby wants top six. Yeah, I mean... I think every Villa fan wants top six, don't they, Dan? But you know, it's one. Oh, I'd accept it for sure. <laughs> you know, it's one thing, one thing wanting it, and and another thing uh, either a achieving it and b you know genuinely thinking can they actually get it. Um, I th- I'd say it'd just be a little bit too early. I think there was quite a bit of damage done in in those first you know months of the season where Villa lost a lot of games. Um, if they continue in this form, you know, only losing to the real top teams. They will have a chance, but I think there'll be there'll be bumps along the road, won't they? You know, you can't expect Villa to be going into every game against um, teams like Burnley and, and Norwich and Leeds and winning them every game. There were going to be hiccups along the way, but look, it's exciting time. Burnley, Burnley are a team that we just know what they're going to produce, don't they? I, I fear for them this year. I have to admit, I don't think they're quite as at it as they have been in previous seasons. And I actually think they'll be one of the three that go down this year. Do you? Yeah, I do, I do. Um, could get, getting caught... Joining Newcastle and Norwich? No, I think um, I think Newcastle will pull out of it. I, yeah, I do. Are I, you I just do. saying that because you saw what I said on the Totally Football show that got put into a big thing on Twitter where I said, they're finished, they're gone. Oh, <laughs> really? really? No. Uh, no, I think they'll pull out of it. I think... They will um, possibly sign a couple of players in January and I think that could make a difference. I think we could see something similar to what Sunderland did when they signed uh, a couple of players and did Allardyce and stayed up. Tell you what, our producer is paying you to say these things. I think there's absolutely <laughs> no way Newcastle stay up. 
Holly Burnley are, you know, they can be tough, but also, you know, they can be beat and they've not had the best of starts. I mean, they even lost to Newcastle, which tells you everything they need to know. But Villa have had a couple of difficult days against them since the return to the Premier League for us. So I think we've drawn twice at Villa Park, a 2-2 and a 0-0. Do you see us winning at the weekend? I do, and, and I think that's just uh, a lot of it's because Villa have a lot more energy and hopefully they're not going to be too tired from the Norwich game. Um, and I also think that that Villa need to be slightly more clinical in the final third. I, I you know, I was slightly worried that we were only winning 1-0 for majority of the Norwich game, even though we had a lot of possession. Um, but I think what works well against Burnley is I think the way they kind of play kind of plays into the hands of Villa. You know, Chris Wood is the kind of their target man and, and you know, they like to have previously liked to get the ball out wide and at the moment, you know, Matty Cash and, and Matt Target are doing really well um, as as Villa's fullback. So I feel confident that Villa can kind of contain Burley in, in the correct way and, and kind of hold that midfield. But Burnley do also have a kind of uh, small list of shining stars of their own. So I think it will kind of just be a battle of, of which players turn up on the day and, and prove and prove their worth. But I, ultimately, I think it will be another convincing win for Villa. Yeah, Burnley play tonight, which is Wednesday, Greg. Extra days recovery it does make a difference, these small margins in the Premier League. Oh look, hundred percent it does now, especially with COVID and, and and players missing. You know, Villa had five five or six first team members out yesterday, so it does make a real big difference. But uh, you know, Villa just need to recover right now. I just want to pick up on something Holly said there. She said that she was you know a little bit nervous. Villa were only one 0 up against Norwich, despite playing so well. There were quite a few comments in in the Q and A that I did after uh, after the game as well. Supporters asking me why they think that Villa aren't quite finishing teams off, you know, beating them by a higher margin. But it's incredible, really, because it was only a month ago that Villa had lost five on the bounce. And, you know, getting wins was difficult. A 1-0 win at the moment or a 2-1 win is bloody good. And to get four out of six mm. is really, really good. So I think just supporters need to just curb the, the enthusiasm a little bit and just... And just narrow down the the expectations because a win sorry Hartley I'm not having a go at you a win win is a win and it's so important and I just think getting a win in the Premier League is so hard to go and win by two or three goals only the real top teams do that Villa just aren't at that stage yet yeah Aston Villa and Holly Percival just couldn't get a win to save their lives for for, for, for a month or so. so so much has changed even even you know defensively they were shipping goals and looking nervy left right and centre but now you know, we conceded two against Manchester City, but we haven't conceded more than one goal in any of the other games. You know, that is huge progress in a short space of time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's massive, isn't it? And like it, a lot of that goes down to Gerard, the organisation, the discipline in the team now. But you, shape. You, the shape. The shape is a huge thing. I mean, it's it, you, you think it's so simple, but I mean, there is a lot of work that goes into it. You think, well... You know, why, why couldn't Dean Smith just make them narrow like they are and cut a bit more compact? But there's so much more that goes into it. You know, each player needs to know his individual role, when to break out to the left or the right, when to press, when to hold the position, etc., etc. You know, there's so much more going into it. And, you know, I'd love to have Michael Beale, the, the first team coach, on, on here at some point. Um, explaining in a little bit more detail what they do on the training ground that would be lovely um, because I'll make I, it happen Greg. I certainly can't explain at the level that they can uh, that he can so um, and, and credit's got to go to a lot of the individual players as well I think Matt Target he wasn't fully fit at the start of the season what we're seeing now is a really strong athletic fully fit left back who's doing really well Tyrone Mings, he's not taking as many risks as he was previously. Um, 
and he's performing exceptionally well. I think I think he was incredibly lucky to be in the headlines for the wrong reasons, giving away the penalty at Liverpool because his performance aside from that was exceptional. Ezri Konza had a little bit of a wobble, didn't he, last night in the second half? He was uh, not quite the cool and composed Ezri that we, that we know. And I, I said to said to the guy sitting around me in the press box, "What the hell's happened to Ezri at half time? He's he's uh, he's a bit chaotic." But again, another clean sheet. And, and Matt Cash is just somebody who. Who I think um, you know defends so well, but also brings so much going forward. Um, he must be absolutely more tired than you, Greg. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, up and down that right he, flank he's all such night. A fit boy, isn't he? I mean, he's he's bombing up and down all the time. Um, wins so many headers as well, which often goes unnoticed. Puts a lot. Always puts his body on the line to block shots. I think against um, Leicester, he made more tackles than any other player in the Premier League as this season, which is ten or eleven. Um, you know, he's quietly going, gone under the radar, but he's one of the most improved players as well under Gerard. Yeah, it'd be good for you to discuss this on Christmas Day with the Cash family, Matt. <laughs> around, the, around, around, around the table, talking about his form around Christmas dinner with your family. That'd be really nice for you, Greg. I haven't had my invite yet, so... <laughs> no, not that. I'll be, let's see what's going on. You, you'll definitely be there around Christmas at some stage. Maybe a New Year's Eve party, if we're allowed parties. We're not the government. Who knows? Let's finish then with our top three. And this week is the three most booable players. I'm not sure why we're doing this. Is it because Brendan got booed last night and Grealish got booed recently? I presume that's that's the reason. But Holly, have you got anyone in mind? Um, I was trying to remember if they'd actually got booed and I'm just going to kind of assume they did. And it's my go-to every time. And it's totally not because I'm still slightly sour about it. But Fabian Delph, when he returned to Villa after his whole... I'm dedicated to this club spiel and then and then decided yeah. to leave a few days later. I, I I just think you can't be so dedicated to a club and then move and then not expect to, to have not the warmest of welcomes when you return. So for me, Fabian Delph. I completely forgot Fabian Delph existed until recently when he got a few games <laughs> for Everton. I completely forgotten about him. He, I mean, he was my favourite player at one point, but yeah, he suddenly back in the Everton team and I remembered he existed again. Greg, who have you got? I mean, look, Del- Delph certainly got the, the worst, so to speak, reception when he returned to Villa. Um, you know, the booze and Grealish was booed a fair bit, but um, it was nothing like Delph. Delph. Delph was incredible. I mean, it was itchy, every single supporter in the stadium booing. Um, I think the most booed player generally across the division is Jack Grealish. I think when he was a Villa player, every team typically booed him. And a lot of them do at Man City now. I've followed a lot of his games at Man City, and every player, every team seems to boo him. I'm just like, why? You know, why, why are player, why, why are teams booing him for Man City? It's ridiculous. Uh, I suppose Robbie Savage, especially when everyone when he plays for England, he's the most. Yeah, player. I mean, you know, everyone loves him for England. Bloody hell! I mean, I, I appreciate him. I love watching him. Never boo him. Um, but anyway, uh, Robbie Savage as a. a a, uh, an older one it was, was more very of a booable, pantomime villain wasn't he but you know <laughs> somebody who was booed by pretty much everyone um, I think Ronaldo gets a fair bit as well you know typically just because he's so good but yeah those are those are mine I went for Jolie and Lescott admittedly he got booed in a Villa show which I don't usually like but we were so rank that season we were already relegated I actually didn't mind it by that point I felt he kind of deserved it even though it was his own fans but also because he used to score against us all the time before he joined Villa. And he said he's a Villa fan. He celebrated, Oh, he? man, his celebrations. Absolutely no way. He's a Villa fan. And the way he speaks about us now and he speaks about it, the time at the club, some of his stupid interviews he did when he was a Villa player. Actually, yeah, very booed. But he's lucky he never came back, actually, after that season. Because if he'd have ever come back, I think his reception would have been far worse than even Delph got. Oh, 
God, you smear. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, Delph was a bad one. I don't think he could get any worse than Delph. Oh, Lescott would have got absolutely hounded. But so did Delph. I, I genuinely no, don't think he could have been... got any worse. How, how could that? it? Well, look. I don't know how, how could it have got any worse. Every single supporter in Villa Park booed Delph. So you can't get any worse. Hmm. I don't know. But I, I get it. I get. I get your point. You're trying to say it's on a level, isn't it? Almost like Lescott was hated towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, no one's booing this podcast because I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you both today. Next week's show is going to be our last of 2021, but we have got something special lined up for you. It should be a cracker, so make sure you don't miss that. So for now, thanks to Greg and thanks to Holly and thanks to everyone out there for listening as well. Until next time, up the villa. Athletic.